Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Quiggs, do you know what the title was for the last episode of the television show Barry? Uh, I don't. Wow. <laughs> was that, that was what the it was? Title of the last episode of Barry? Yes. <laughs> wow. I thought you were just reacting to me not knowing what the title of the last oh, Barry I, episode I was. I was. Wow. I wasn't. It was fifty-fifty on if you'd know or not. And even if, like, you did watch, like, a lot of people don't pay attention to the titles of episodes, especially for stuff that's, like, new. Uh, so, yeah, I was like, it's 50-50 if he's going to know this or not. I had no idea if you watched the show or anything, but I just thought it was hilarious that the final episode of Barry was called Wow. And yeah. I'm just so... My brain is mush wow. from doing the Owen Wilson wow on this podcast so often at this point that I can't see the word and not associate it with no, fucking Owen Wilson. No, there's no way. Absolutely not. I that's a thing that like remember in like cartoons they would always have like they would always show the title of the episode before like the episode episode actually started. You know what I mean? You're, and, ta- like, you're talking about with, like some classic Looney Tunes over there, like bop, 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 I'm talking bop, SpongeBob. Like oh, SpongeBob, yeah. it'll be like the title of the episode or whatever. Like I think one of I think the ripped pants one was called ripped pants or something like that, and then like. Grown-up shows don't do that. They just don't tell you the name of the episode. No, grown-up shows do not tell you the name of the episode. That's Why don't grown-up shows do that? The one grown-up show. Yeah. <laughs> the one grown-up show that does that is Party Down. Party Down actually always has the title of the episode at the beginning. I support that. I think they should all do that. Be and by the way, if you haven't seen Party Down, if people haven't seen Party Down, absolutely watch Party Down. Party Down is one of the funniest goddamn shows I've ever seen. And there's like a very, there's like a handful of episodes. And they're all very short. You'll be shocked to learn that I have not seen Party Down. You know, it's a good show that um, it wasn't even on like an actual channel, but I think it was like a YouTube, like short series. Um, it was called or it is called rostered on and it's basically it's an australian show it's like a comedy thing and i think each episode is like 15 20 minutes it's not long and i think there's like eight episodes or something like that but it's about these like people who are all like young youngish adults like in their probably mid to late 20s early 30s and they work at like a like a radio shack type store. And it's just about working in retail and how stupid and shitty customers are. <laughs> and it's like, it's, I had, I loved it. I thought it was a great little uh, show. Cause I had that, like I had a lot of appreciation for it just because of all of my years working in retail. I was like, yep, this is exactly how it is. If there is a purgatory, I think it's gotta be retail work. Like, 
just an eternity oh, yeah. of retail work and customer complaints and cleaning dressing rooms and returns and all that fun bullshit. I can't do it ever again. There's no way. No, like I, I did my time, you know. I would sooner just try to figure things out and scam people on the streets than try to do retail again. No. Yeah, honestly, like I would do unbelievable Con artist things. sounds way better. I will be the next Jimmy McGill. I will be the next slipping Jimmy. I will find many, many ways to make money. And many of them in um, not exactly the highest of morals, moral standards, but why? I just got to ask, why do all my favorite shows have to be ending in this like calendar year? Because we just had Better Call Saul end and I'm still devastated that that's over. And then this past weekend, both Barry and Succession ended on the same goddamn night. And they're on the same network. And they have both had four seasons. What are you doing to me, HBO? Do you want me to watch your programming on your shittily named app, Max? <laughs> on your service, Max? You had to rebrand, get rid of the HBO, which is the best part. God damn it. I love Succession. I love Barry. I'm very sad both of them ended. And then they ended on the same night. So I couldn't even properly process the finales. Like, Better Call Saul ended. And I got to process the finale for like a week after. Just think about it. I didn't even get to fully process the succession one because I had to watch Barry immediately after. It's just like, space it out, guys. Steve, I know a show that's not ending. God, is that your transition to talking about hockey? <laughs> God, I wish it would. I wish that would end. Honestly, I sometimes it makes me want the season finale is almost up for for hockey. Well, that's true. But do you want to know what TV, like actual TV show is not ending and you'll have plenty of episodes to watch? SpongeBob will never end. So that's that's still good. Yeah, that's still going, but it just sucks now. You I want to know? You. you want to know the, right, the, the correct show, Steve? Bar Rescue. Bar Rescue. Shut it down. They never run out. They never. You do know how many bars they... are in need of es- of rescuing by John Taffer, Sir John Taffer, John Taffer and his crack staff of like the number two bartender at TGI Fridays and like I don't know somebody who won Top Chef like six years ago. Yeah, it's the best. I cannot. I love that show. Like I feel like whenever I go on, well, maybe not now because I don't really go on vacations that much anymore because. <laughs> life as a poor young adult but vacations are expensive they are soon enough soon enough i'll be going on vacations but back when i would go on like family vacations in like i'd bring friends and stuff we would spend like every day we'd probably spend like two hours watching like four straight episodes of bar rescue wow that's that's a lot of bar rescue and the the thing about that is i do feel like if you've seen i don't know three to four episodes of bar rescue you've seen every bar rescue yeah you've seen the the entire series there is always like something crazy that happens and it is like a great like background show to kind of just have on while you're putzing around and you know taffer's going in and just you know why how could you do this to your father your father poured his heart and soul into this bar and now you're (laughs) flushing it down the drain have you seen the one where he like refused to rescue the bar i think there's like five of those Oh, really? I, I remember the first one. 
It was like in Arkansas or something, and the name of the bar was O-Face. Nice. Very, very classy. And so he just, yeah, it was it was really, it was wild. I was like looking at the clock because the episode started at like 9 p.m. or something. And I looked at the clock. It was like 9.50 and he hadn't done anything to the bar. I was like, oh, my God, he's not going to rescue it. <laughs> I was like, I was like losing my mind a little bit. There are about a billion seasons. And then he said it. He's like, go ahead. After you, I insist. I was just going to say he was there was a point in like the last few minutes where he was just like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to rescue your bar. And I was just like, oh, my God, I can't believe it just happened. Such a strange man, that John Taffer. I was just going to say that there there are about a billion seasons of bar rescue. And there are also a billion seasons of flyperbole favorite Triple D Guy Fieri's own driver. I never say this right. Diners. Drive-ins yeah. and dives. I always say drivers for some reason. Steph drivers, dine-ins, and drives. That's it, obviously. But how... Yeah, that's good. Okay, so they added it when they had the Max update to HBO Max because they added all the Discovery shit and with all the Max shit. Whatever. Uh, so Triple D's on there, okay? And I didn't actually know how many seasons of Triple D there were until now. Quiggs, how many seasons of Triple D? How many times has Guy Fieri taken a trip to Flavortown at this point. How many seasons? 29 seasons. 44. Oh my God. How? How many seasons does he do a year? I don't know, but it's insane. 44 seasons. If you turn on the Food Network at any given moment, the odds are it's either going to be Triple D or like beat Bobby Flay or chopped. It feels like those are the only three shows they have is okay. So is diners, drive-ins and dives going to be the next like Grey's anatomy where it just goes on and on and on and on and See, on. The thing is and it should stop, but it just won't. No, because it, it, it won't stop until, as long as Guy Fieri is cruising around America, <laughs> finding everybody's favorite <laughs> diner drive-in. <laughs> And dives. I said it because I composed myself. The thing is about these reality type shows is there is fodder forever because new places open up and do great or do poorly, like with the Bar Rescue. I cannot explain why Grey's Anatomy is still on. I, I cannot fathom how Grey's Anatomy is still on. An original scripted program that I've never really been invested in. Uh, my ex watched it hardcore way back in the day when it first started. And I watched like a couple episodes then. I've never seen a minute of it since. And I, I'm actually stunned when I see it's still on. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, I don't know. My girlfriend watches it a ton and she's always like, oh yeah, once you watch to like a certain season, it's like, just stop there. You might as well not even watch the rest. Like, I, I'm... I'm sad that Succession and Barry ended with four seasons, but I'm also grateful because that's a good run. You can't really overstay your welcome with four seasons. That's like just enough. And, you know, Barry even like, I felt like there were a couple episodes they could have even, and they were getting more interesting with some of the, the filming techniques towards the end. Like Hater was really like going out there, but like, I felt like there were a couple episodes you could have done without. I felt like Succession was just enough Succession. And it left me wanting just like a little bit more, but 
I felt I'm glad that I didn't get that little bit more. And it, it's so funny to see the two opposite ends of the spectrum. Like shows that maybe could have stayed around a little bit longer, but it's good they didn't. And a show that's like so eclipsed wearing out its welcome. It's just it, to the point of absurdity. I remember when they announced the final season of Ozark and I was like, no, don't like, there's still so much more I want to see. And then it ended and it had the most bogus ending ever. And I was just like, did it? I never, I watched the first season of Ozark and I never picked it back up. It, the end of the series is so, I hated it. Some people might like it. I hated it so much. I thought it was such a terrible way to end a show. And that's that sucks when a show ends in such a poor fashion that it, it just yeah. kind of like ruins, it ruins your the whole perception. show. Yeah, yeah. Like I never want to watch Ozark again because now I know that whenever I do, when I get to the last season in that last episode, I'm going to be pissed off because I'm going to hate how it ends. It just it was not good. Yeah. So I'm. Whoop. Sorry, I'm knocking shit over in my own house. God damn, How about Steve. That? I'll just leave this in. Yeah, yeah. I'm just that there. excited. I'm doing the arm movements. I choked a green tea before showtime because I was fucking dog tired today. And that's where we are. Did you watch an episode of <laughs> Bar Rescue energy. before we got in live? Shut it down. You know, speaking of Bar Rescue and speaking of John Taffer, John Taffer must be pretty excited for these Stanley Cup playoffs, considering... He is a Golden Knights super fan. The only thing Taffer doesn't want to shut down this week. <laughs> the only thing. <laughs> okay, I'm going to start that over. The no, only no, thing no, Taffer you... does want to shut down this week. Fuck. No, I have a line. It's the let Florida Panthers. It. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so let me do it. I'm going to do it right this time. Let me do no, it. No, we got to. We can't. We have to keep this in. Oh, wait. We let can't edit sure this out. In. Oh, but I'm so tired. <laughs> God damn it, Quiggs. We can't edit this out. This has to stay in. Fine. I'll leave it in. It's so good. I'm not happy about it. I'm not happy about it. You're welcome, listeners. You're welcome, listeners. This is your peek behind the curtain. (laughs) Jesus fucking Christ. John Taffer wants to (laughs) shut down the Florida Panthers this week, okay? And it's... You know, the Dallas Stars did extend that series a couple games. We talked about this last week, like it was a foregone conclusion that Vegas was going to close out the stars. You know, we have seen three Oh comebacks before in the NHL, most notably your Philadelphia Flyers over the Boston Bruins in 2010. Oh baby. How about that? And how about Boston losing two game sevens in two different sports in one set of, or, you know, two sets of playoffs, like the same year, the same month, basically. It's so great. It's pretty funny. Like the Celtics almost made NBA history. Okay. Against the, the heat, they were down three Oh, they won three in a row. They forced game seven at home. It looked like they were just going to do to the heat, what they did to the Sixers and Jimmy buckets and his Miami heat prevailed. And normally I wouldn't be happy for the heat, but man, you know, no, I'm not going to be happy. I should have kept Jimmy, but also like, Come on, Boston has been such a a great town to root against. And yes, I know they are like way too similar to Philly in some respects. But listen, Boston's had an insane amount of sports success since the year 2000. And <laughs> I cannot be happy for them. I cannot root for Boston. No. So I was very happy to 
to see them lose in such a fashion. And you get a little Denver-Miami action going on there. But over in the NHL, you have the Vegas Golden Knights versus the Florida Panthers. I think this is going to be a real fun Stanley Cup final. I do too. I am really looking for And I like how it's like two kind of like non-traditional hockey markets going at it. And I know a lot of people are going to like poo-poo that. I feel like a lot of people are There like shouldn't be hockey in the South. Yeah. And Where? it's like, it's get out of here. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, I'm excited for this series. The only thing I'm not excited about is having to look at the Golden Knights stupid uniforms. But like, you really that, those uniforms. I, you don't like either uniform. This is a uniform disaster for you. It is, but I have decided that the Panthers uniforms aren't that... The Panthers away uniforms are okay. Their home uniforms just the, suck. The, the whole thing's kind of mediocre. It's just real mediocre, down to the logo. They really yeah. should just adopt the the child drawing of the Panthers logo as their full-time logo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they should. they should. That's a good idea. It's way better! He's so chill. The vibes on that Panther are immaculate. <laughs> Think of the vibes, Steve. It's all about the vibes, baby. That's what I'm about. One thing I want to say before we get like too deep into the Stanley Cup. Is it interesting? And I know I'm reaching here. I'm reaching and I'm creating a story that probably doesn't exist. You or perhaps perhaps it reach? does exist. But unlike you, is it weird that as soon as Jamie Ben got suspended, the stars pl- started playing real well. And as soon as oh he came God. back, <laughs> they got obliterated and played real bad again doesn't that make you wonder a little bit makes you think huh makes you think yeah yeah i'm not saying i'm not here to say that jamie ben's the problem but like it does make me wonder like huh ain't that peculiar i hate to cite bill simmons of all fucking people i really don't want to but i am going to here and bill simmons back in the day when there was an espn page two which that's old heads unite. Remember ESPN page two back on like web 1.0. But uh, Bill Simmons used to have his old Ewing theory, which was that the, the Knicks would play better to compensate when Patrick Ewing was out. Uh, And you do see this from time to time with certain teams where they, they actually do step it up because the, the talented higher up in the lineup player is out. Now the stars, Ben, maybe three years ago, was probably to the point of like a Patrick Ewing, if you will, or, you know, the star in the team. Nowadays, it's really Rupa Hintz or Jason Robertson. But regardless, like it kind of applies here. So there there could be something to it. It is also the fact that Ben was suspended for just cause because he was making stupid fucking plays. Yeah. So you brought up that whole like... um that whole situation of like playing better when the top star is gone. Aren't the, don't the penguins do that? Like when Sidney Crosby's out of the lineup, I'm, I thought I saw a stat somewhere where they're like, yeah, I just Googled it. The penguins have a record of 121, 64 and 28 without Crosby. Like some, t- some teams just do that. Some teams just do that. And unfortunately I think the, the best comparison for flyers fans is thinking back to the 2000 Lindros team who lost in seven games to the Jersey Devils, and I am reopening one of my most painful wounds right here. But the fact of the matter is, the team was up in that series before Big E came back, and they were kind of playing better without him. And we all know 
Eric Lindros is my favorite player of all time, so even bringing this up, it makes me a little sick to my stomach to even say it. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it it has happened before. It will happen again. We've even seen that the Sixers, some of the Sixers' best games this season were without Joel Embiid. So guys will really rally. And also the fact was the, the stars were on the ropes. And to give a little comparison between two sports here, like... It's really fucking hard to win consecutive games in a series. It really is. And the Stars won two in a row, and that was great. But then they just kind of were out of gas for that third one. And you saw that with the Celtics, where they mounted that comeback against the Heat. They won three in a row. Winning four in a row in the playoffs is really, really hard. Yeah, not everyone can be the 2010 Flyers. And I actually, I can't believe that the Panthers swept the Hurricanes still. I know we talked about this last week. It was such a fluky sweep over there but like and it is incredibly hard to win four in a row let alone against a team that has outshot you in every game i I still can't believe they beat boston like it's crazy boston like boston was up 3-1 like the series was over i remember we were recording um during that series and i was like yeah we were both like yeah boston's gonna win definitely like maybe florida wins one more but (laughs) It's insane that Boston's not playing in this cup final. It really is. And that Florida has dominated in the way they have since beating Boston. It's like they, they absorbed their abilities over there. Right. Like yeah, honestly. It's like they took the Boston Bruins' soul, and now they have it. Like, Kachuk stole the soul of the Bruins. Your soul is mine. It is mine. Do you, do you know what my, my reference was there? Were you picking that up? Uh, can I take a guess? You can take a guess. Tenacious D in the Pick of Destiny? Uh, not even close. Not oh, even okay. cl- it was Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat! Oh, okay. I was thinking of the song, um, Tribute, where it's like, Play Tribute the best great, yeah. song in the world, or I'll eat your souls. That's, pr- that's pretty good. That's pretty spot on, I gotta say. Yeah. I fucking do yeah. that song is one of the top one of the greats. <laughs> I, I do love some tenacious D. No, I was doing I was doing Mortal Kombat. Specifically the very shitty mid nineties Mortal Kombat movie, which is so so bad and just a total ripoff of I think it's Enter the Dragon, but uh yes, Shang Song, uh your soul is mine. But yes, it feels like the Panthers stole the Bruins mojo or soul, and yes, I referenced Austin fucking powers again, and if this becomes my thing, I might just stop doing the show. Why, baby, why? But that's hold on, hold on. That's such a bad name for a movie. Enter the dragon. What do you mean? Where do you enter the dragon? Its mouth? It's here. You're taking this very literally, my friend. Where do you enter it? Uh, you're you're not besmirching Bruce Lee in front of me. Do not do that. I just want to know, like anatomically, how do you get into a dragon? I don't think it's anatomic, my friend. <laughs> how do you get into that thing? Metaphorical <laughs> and such. Yeah, I get it. Like you become the dragon. Like enter dragon mode, kind of like Jesus beast, Christ. beast mode in Marshawn Lynch. Yes, if you want to do it that way. Oh, my soul is dead. <laughs> speaking of souls, but going back to the Panthers, the Panthers, as uh, some people Pants. on the internet have been phrasing it, the Panthers, as Tim Panaccio would put it, and how I prefer to put it, 
Do we think that we were saying last week, we kind of felt like the Panthers were going to take this all the way at this point. Are we still feeling that way? Are we still feeling confident about the Panthers taking the series? Now that this is what's definitely happening. I think Vegas wins. I want, I'm rooting for Florida. I'm rooting for Florida because Matthew Kuchuk's the man, but I got a feeling Vegas wins because they just have better depth all around, except for goalie. That's kind of like the key, the X factor here. But like it, if you look at oh, forward that's depth. been the X factor for the past few rounds because Bobrovsky has beaten some of the best goalies in the game and has found a second life. Like he has found right. this magic that he's been lacking for years now. Wouldn't it be so appropriate though? And wouldn't it be so Sergei Bobrovsky to like just d- destroy everybody and then get to the Stanley Cup final and lose to Aiden Hill. <laughs> Wouldn't that just be appropriate? That's, that's very flyer. I guess if you want to tie him into his origins as yeah. a, a flyer, we could go that and, way. Well, but and yes. well, there's another thing to keep in mind. There are a lot of former flyers on the Panthers. And what did the flyers do? Not win in big games. So listen, I am not going to put that evil on Radko Gudis mainly because he could definitely murder me. (laughs) Of course. I will put that evil on Nick Cousins all day because, you know, yeah, Yeah. but uh, I will not put that evil on Radko Gudis. And I have always been a Bob fan. Should have kept your back on the force, Bobrowski. I've always been a Gudis fan, too. Oh, I love Gudis. Superior beard. One of the best yeah. beards in the league and probably, I mean, easily one of the best remaining playoff beards at this point. Big Gudis fan, big Bob fan, uh, Kachuk fan. I like Barkoff, even though he is definitely rated. And <laughs> at this point, like, I, I, I don't know, man. I'm kind of believing in the Panthers. So you're going Knights. I'm going Panthers. I'm thinking Kachuk. You know, I know the Knights have better depth, and I I listed out the points leaders for each team, and the Panthers were kind of the full range here, where they have, like, one of the top guys, Kachuk. Uh, he's second in points behind Rupa Hintz, so he's the first in active players in points in the playoffs right now, 21 points in 16 games played. Uh, and then it's, like, 14 for Barkov, or 15 for Verhage, 14 for Barkov, and then, like... Bennett and Reinhardt, the Sam boys, had uh, 11 points. Whereas the Knights, you've got Eichel at the top with 17, and then you've got Barbashev and Stone with 15, and then you've got Carlson, Chandler Stevenson, and William Carlson with 14 points. So they have like a higher average, if you will. Yeah. Marcia like, So, don't forget Marcia with... So. Marcia So? Did I, did I not mention him in there? I guess I didn't for some stupid reason. I don't know why. Uh, maybe I was just, oh, I put William Carlson twice when Marcia so should have been, uh, okay. the, the second name on there. So I was very tired today, folks. So if anything's loopy in this and it's been loopy so far, that's why I slept like shit last night, but this is the only night that we could record. So yeah. sorry, not it's sorry. the first day. It's the first day back after a long weekend. So we're a little dead. Chandler Steven- Stevenson is one of those players who's like, he like whenever I see him, I imagine him as being like very not like game changer at all. And what then a terrible I, hockey name. Absolutely one of the worst hockey names hockey of all time. Name. Like I can't stand that name. It's a horrific name. He sounds like a but then I look at him and he's just like, I'm like, how is he good? And like, I, I mean, he's fast as hell 
and he's got a good scoring touch. So that's kind of what, that's what it is. And he's surrounded by good players, but like, he's just like good now. And like, I never saw that coming. And like, it, it just kind of happened. He went from like Chandler Stevenson on the capitals, who was like very meh, like to below average to all of a sudden he's like this game changing game breaking talent on the golden Knights. And it's very weird. It is weird. And I guess that's just the Knights have a good system. It's very interesting how we were having a little bit of discussion on this in the Slack earlier and how the Knights in a lot of ways effectively did what Paul Holmgren tried to do years ago for the Flyers. And that is completely ignore the cap and subvert it in every way possible to bring in big names, take big swings. And they also pulled a little bit of the lightning by storing Mark Stone back in limbo or the Phantom Zone or whatever until playoff time. But, you know, they've made their way and they they found a way to have Jack Eichel and Alex Petrangelo and Shea Theodore. And, you know, they, they've got some big names on their team. But however they made it work, they made it to the cup final. And I think it's just going to be a damn entertaining cup final. I'm not even sure what else to say about it beyond that. But, you know, I, I think you're going to see some fascinating matchups with these this top-heavy, talent-wise Panthers team against this deep Knights team. I mean, Kachuk and Barkoff and Verhage are really big guns to have at the top of your lineup. And they're tough guys to contain. I mean, Kachuk in particular was so good in that Hurricane series at just finding the big moments and capitalizing on them. I just can't wait to see Stanley Cup Matthew Kachuk because I feel like he's the kind of guy who like when he's in this stage, like the grandest stage in hockey, I feel like he's the kind of guy who will be just absolutely on one and not just in terms of like production, like point production and and like performing. I mean, like, I feel like he's going to do things after the whistle that like, like Maybe not Brad Marchand licking or anything like that, but I feel like he's gonna do he's gonna do <laughs> weird stuff, like funny stuff that I'm gonna love a lot. So I don't know. I'm really excited to see him just do Matthew Kachuk things after the whistle in the Stanley Cup final. Yeah. So here's my question. So I think we're some. I think there are some obvious key players in this series. We talked about Kachuk, Barkoff, or Hagee. Eichel, Marcheseau, Stone, like those guys. Who are the guys that we're not really talking about that are going to be key deciders in this series? Uh, well, I think one guy who could make a bit of a difference is Alec Martinez. Obviously, he has been... I mean, we've seen him do incredible things in the playoffs before. You know, he scored that... Uh, uh, game-winning goal for the Kings all those years ago. When was that? 2014, I think it was. I don't know. Or actually, you know what? I don't. I'm not sure. He's. I think he's healthy now. I know. Yeah, he's healthy. Um, I know he's had some injury issues, but I feel like Alec Martinez is one of those guys. He's like a veteran presence who just kind of like. I don't know. He he knows when to kind of pitch in a little bit more and he's just got that kind of savvy to him. He's had a really good tenure in Vegas since he joined the team. And I don't know. I feel like he could be like a sneaky guy to like keep an eye on in the back end for Vegas. A little bit of that Justin Williams energy you think in there? I don't know. Well, I don't want to say Justin Williams energy, but like, I do think he's got that kind of veteran savvy who like, 
he knows what it takes. There he's go. been there before. He's done. He's done everything. Veteran savvy. Yeah, I feel like well, he's Quakes with talk like that. You could join a front office tomorrow. Probably, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> but he, he does. He has like, and here we go. Here's some more front office verbiage. He's got like kind of those intangibles, um, and I just feel like he's. But how many tools someone... does he have? I mean, he has to have like a hammer, right? Just one tool. A stud finder. It's a real you know? one tool player. <laughs> but no, I mean, at this point, he's he's an old man now, Steve. He's, I think he's, what is he? I think he's like 38, 35. Oh, um, so old. Yeah, so, so old. So terribly old. But like, he's still on the, like on serviceable. death's door. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But he's still serviceable. And um, I think he could be just... I don't know. I just got a feeling about Alec Martinez going into this series that he might like kind of turn it on a little bit more just because it's the stop. It's the cup final. It's the cup final, man. There's only one Stanley cup. There is. There's definitely not several of them. <laughs> just floating around. and all those counterfeit Stanley cups. <laughs> the Stanley cup is lacking the E. This is counterfeit. It's like, it's like one of those Twitter accounts that just like is slightly off and you're staring at it. Like, wait, what's wrong here? Stanley Bowl? That doesn't seem right to me. Oh, jeez. It doesn't sound right. Doesn't sound right. I listen. I'm not. I don't know hockey. Why are you asking me these things? I don't know. Um. So I wonder about like you haven't seen as much out of Aaron Ekblad offensively as I would have expected to this point. So I wonder if Ekblad's maybe got something up his sleeve that he might be bringing out here. I really like Anthony Declare. I think he's like a, he's a good kind of like, not quite under the radar player, but almost under the radar. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And then with Vegas, like, I don't know. I think you just have to look at some of that defensive death right there. And I still can't believe they got Petrangelo. Like, it's just ridiculous. I know. It's so, it's, it's, and that's the thing. Like, that's what makes me think Vegas kind of has this thing. It's just the fact that like, they got Shea Theodore. They got Alex Petrangelo. Then they got Mark Stone, Jack Eichel, Jonathan Marcheseau, William Carlson. Like, they have so many good pieces. And, like, that's not to say that the Panthers don't. They do. But I just question, <laughs> will they be able to stop all the all the pieces that Vegas has? I mean, it, it comes down to Bob, man. Like, it's crazy to think about. Yeah. This entire series, just like the last series and the series before that, comes down to Sergei Bobrovsky. You know who else would be interesting if they kind of like played a sneaky big role in this series? The one, the only, Eric Stahl. Ah, yes, Eric Stahl. You want to talk <laughs> Wonder how, uh, yeah, wonder how he's feeling about this. D- you know, just taking... Taking lots of pride in what's going on over here. Let me tell you. That's the second pride joke I've used in two weeks. I got to stop it. I got to knock it off. It's funny, But it's pride month. Well, it's almost pride month. So I have to feel free to use such things. Yeah. It's funny. I think it's funny. It's funny. It's a funny joke. It's a, it's a joke. Funny joke. How many ga- How many games do you think the series is going? Five or six. Five or six? I'm hoping we get another seven-game seven series, man. I I want seven-game OT. Let's take this down to the wire. Let's do it. Me too. Don't get me wrong. I want the same thing. I just got a feeling 
for, for some reason, like what I want is like Florida in seven because I want a good series and I want Florida to win because I just, I want to see Matthew Kachuk win. Um, but so that's what my heart wants. What my head wants or what my head thinks will happen is Vegas in like five. Vegas in five. You really think it could be that short? I do. I think Vegas is really good. So what I, what I keep coming back to though, is Florida went through, I think the East has been the tougher conference throughout the season and Florida made it through that tough conference. They took the best the Hurricanes had. They took the best, well, maybe not the best the Bruins had, but they, they took a lot for the Bruins. Yeah. And I feel like they're very battle tested and I feel like they have the hottest hand. So here's another thing to keep in mind. It has been a while, like a hot minute since the Panthers last played a game. And the Golden Knights, now both teams are going to, I think both teams have basically a week um, or like five days or something. Like from the end of, from when the Golden Knights clinched their series, they, I think they get like five days off or something, five or six days off. Florida's been off for like a week and a half. And I feel like that's a lot. That's a lot of time to not be playing. I I don't know if they cooled down. Because like sometimes it's like, oh, well, they're extra rested now. And then they go out and they perform great. But then sometimes they're rusty. You can't really predict it until it happens. Yeah. But like, I don't know. I'm just kind of wondering like, what's like, how are the Panthers going to respond to being away and not playing for so long? Because... Some team it, it affects teams very differently, and sometimes it's really good, and sometimes it's really bad. And I'm just wondering, like, what's going to happen here? Panthers took care of business real quick, and I couldn't nip them in the butt over there. So, all right, well, you're thinking Vegas combination of uh, potential rust on Florida and just superior depth and and I guess coaching, right? Like, I really think the Knights have the coaching edge here, and I yeah, think I'm good. feeling the hot hand. I'm really feeling the hot hand. I think Cassidy was a fucking steal for them. I still can't believe Boston let him go. Uh, that was weird. And like, I can't really like, I can't really like be judgmental of it because it turned out Jim Montgomery was great too. So like, Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's whatever. For sure. But it was a weird one though. It was a weird one. Like I, I think Cassidy was a great coach and I was very surprised they let him go. But I mean, at least it went to Vegas and not like, New York like the Rangers are out here going like oh man the coaching depth isn't very good this year yeah have you here all right so I've been hearing like rumors I don't know how accurate this is but like there's some belief that Peter Laviolette could go to New York which would be oh wow interesting the Capitals got a new yeah just bouncing oh who did they get they got Spencer Carberry I know very little about him other than yeah, who, that, the fact that, that he was an ECHL like enforcer. Oh. So basically... So in the Baruby mold. So <laughs> Yeah. So basically, Loppy is their head coach. Oh, okay. How about that? That's uh, worked out well for everybody, let me tell you. But Loppy, who never made it to face. the NHL. Loppy, who never made it to the NHL. Gotcha. Okay. Picking up what you're yeah, putting down Yeah, that's what this guy here. is. But, uh, yeah, I guess Lavi at this point has to coach every team in the division. It seems to be going that way, right? Let's see. We got Flyers. Carolina. Carolina. Washington. 
Um, and now it may be New York. Wait, who? hold on. I, I know we're missing something here. He coached uh, Nashville. That's right. Didn't he coach someone else? I don't think he coached somebody else in the division. I he didn't coach he, the Devils. I think he, I think he did. Not the, not the Blue Jackets, not the Islanders. The Islanders! He didn't coach the Islanders. He did coach the Islanders. When? 2001 to 2003. Oh, and he was a little baby boy. Yep. And both years, wow. he, went to the, he went to the playoffs, both seasons. I did not. I guess I didn't know that. I did not know that. So, all right. He's almost caught them all then. So he's got, let's see, four. Four Metro teams. Can he get to five? Columbus is looking so for that a coach. would just leave him. Uh, Columbus is looking for a coach, so he could go to Columbus. Uh, I heard I heard that friend of the show, Brad Shaw, might also be on the list over there. Don't do it, Brad. Stick around, man. What a good, what a, what a fun guy to talk to. Really enjoyed it. It was great. He was, I loved talking to Bradshaw. He was a really cool dude. A lot of good insight. Cool I thought he had some, yeah, he had, he had some really fun stories too. I just, I still think about his like first, like welcome to Philadelphia moment where he like discovered that you're allowed to like blow through yellow lights. Allowed. Yeah. It's more yeah, just you're like allowed. the unwritten rule. Well, I mean, it's, it's not that you're not allowed in other places. It's just that it's more encouraged here. Yeah. Yeah. I do it all the time. Yeah. I speed up. Well, sure. That's, you know, that's how you drive Philly right there. You speed up. <laughs> yeah. But you said allowed, though. And it's like, it's not that you're not allowed to other places. It's just that it's not the the etiquette. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. The etiquette, if you will. No. Uh, I mean, I, I want him to have a head coaching job. I just don't want him to be in the division. So if you're going to go somewhere, just don't go in the division. That's all I ask. Yeah. Go to like, I don't know, somewhere out west, California or something. Go west. Absolutely. Should we talk? I guess there's one bit of Flyers shop talk we could talk today because I there's not much going on in Flyersdom right now. You know, it's it's the build up to the draft. But, you know, thankfully, we have colleagues over on the BSH radio network here who are going out. And talking to the big names. Talking to the big names last week, Bill Matz and Kelly Hinkle spoke to one Keith Jones president of Hockey Ops over here. This week, Bill Matz and Kelly Hinkle teamed up to talk to one Daniel Briere, the general manager of the Philadelphia Flyers. And I know you gave that a listen earlier, Quiggs. I did, yeah. So there were actually some interesting little tidbits from that talk. Um, One of the main tidbits has to do with the one, the only Carter Hart. So as some of you might remember last weekend, Danny Briere kind of (laughs) made headlines when he appeared on 94.1 WIP that basically he came out, he said, I'm going to entertain offers on any player. There's nobody who's, who's untouchable on this team. And he basically said that includes Carter Hart. And everyone was like, oh my God, the Flyers are going to trade Carter Hart really like tomorrow. And that obviously is not the case. Danny Briere even went on to say in that exact interview, like Carter Hart's very important to us. I think he's the goalie of the future, yada, yada, yada. So basically when he spoke with Bill and Kelly on BSH radio, he kind of reiterated what he said on WIP. And he said, quote, 
All I was saying is, it's my job as a GM, my duty towards the fans, the organization, is to listen to any offers on any players at this time. We're not in a place where we can say anybody's untouchable. Obviously, there's players that are more important than others as far as their responsibilities, and Carter Hart certainly being one of them. But my point was just that nobody is above the team, and my duty to me and my staff is to listen to what's out there. And then he later went on to say, um, I see Carter being the goalie of the future. He's still young. He's still part of what we'd like to build here. He fits into that window. It would have to be a crazy load of a haul to even consider trading him. So if you are, uh, <laughs> if you're expecting a Carter Hart trade, you might want to not think that. I wouldn't expect it, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that closes the door entirely. No, no, no. It certainly doesn't close the door. And like, he even said it. He said it like twice in the last several days. Like, I'm going to listen to offers on anyone. No one is above the team is what he said um, it, at uh, when he was speaking with WIP, which that's very valid. No one should be. This is a horrible team. And well, just and about every single. This is kind of what we've, what we've been saying on the show, too, is that, you know, like there are degrees of players for trading like right you, you've obviously got guys like carter hart and some of the prospects that you know would take a little bit more to jar loose than say like kevin hayes who if anybody wanted to throw a bag of pucks at us for kevin hayes tomorrow i'm sure danny Briere would be like sold yeah yeah no it's true and like no offense to kevin hayes but just given his relationship with the coaching establishment on the team notably john tortorella and his role on the team being kind of downgraded in the past season i think the flyers very much would like to get rid of that contract yeah no they would and you're right kevin hayes is probably like the likeliest guy to be traded this offseason he even knows it he's acknowledged that he's like pretty much basically getting traded um travis konechny and carter hart those are those are two guys who like could get traded they i don't think they will but like if they did, those would be like mind blowing, like "oh baby, here we go" type trade. Sure, Konechny, Hart. I mean, you want to talk Cutter Gautier, even like Tyson Forrester. Like there are levels of guys to trade on the team, and like somebody like Ivan Provorov would probably be right in the middle. Where I think the Flyers want to trade Ivan Provorov for a change of scenery. And also a change of locker room attitude, if you will. Yeah. And I'm sure Ivan Provorov also wants that change of scenery. So, you know, he's pretty much right in the middle right there where you can still probably get value from an NHL GM, uh, especially if they just really value minutes played because he is a, a minutes hog over there. But yeah, I, I mean, the thing is, Carter Hart, like, I think in the first case, that was, of course, people overreacting and misconstruing a statement, which, stop me if you've heard that one before. Yeah. But the clarification also doesn't shut the door for me entirely. I mean, it, it pretty much just goes back to my expectation uh, to where we were during the season, that they'd be willing to trade Carter Hart, but it would take a lot. Right. And there is a good case to be made to trade him, too. Like, he's going to be a restricted free agent next summer. Um, and when he, when it comes time to give him a new contract, like he's going to want a big, like a huge raise as he should, because he's been the flyers best player the last couple of years. And he's still young. He's 24 years old. Like there's a chance that he could, 
you know, uh, like teams, goalies this young and this good don't come around very often. And other teams would probably give up a ton of assets to get him. But at the same time, like because of his age, the Flyers still think that he could potentially be part of their window to contention. And it's possible he's not even like, we might not have even seen him play his best hockey yet. That's how young he is. Like he's still, there's still a lot of hockey left ahead of him. Um, So I don't know. Like it's one of those things where I could see it going either way and I have no problem either way. As somebody who has to buy Pittsburgh Steve a bottle of pretty nice booze, if Carter Hart gets traded within the next couple of years, I'm actually very much in favor of trading him to get that haul because <laughs> I really want the Flyers to do a true rebuild. And I really want as many assets as possible to do that rebuild. Right. The thing that stinks is like such an important key to rebuilding is like finding that goalie. And like the Flyers have that goalie right now. But if they trade him now, then eventually down the road, they're going to need to find another one when they are good. And they have shown in the past that they're not the best at doing that. Now, granted, Sam Erson is looking good, but like we, we still need to see him as like a regular in the NHL. Um, and I know they got some promising For goalie sure. prospects, but yeah. I've watched Robert Esch and uh, just Marty Biron. And I'm just trying to count Roman Chekmonic. These are just some of the names that I've seen start playoff games for the Philadelphia Hockey Flyers over the years. I've seen Michael Layton be the starting goaltender for the bulk of their most significant Stanley <laughs> Cup run of my lifetime. Of my entire lifetime. Michael Layton and Brian Boucher were the alternating goaltenders. I have seen some pain. So... It's kind of shocking that I'd be willing to say, yeah, I'm cool trading Carter Hart at this point, but, you know, I'm also, like, so battered and bruised as a Flyers fan that, well, this is where we're at. And that's the thing. Like, it's been so long since the Flyers had, like, a bona fide number one, like, franchise goalie. And it's just, like, it's, like, it, it, I don't know. It, it's a difficult spot to be in as a fan because you're just, like, we finally got the goalie. But... Now it's like, oh, well, now we got to trade him, you know, and it's it's definitely they don't necessarily have to trade him. But I really no, think no, it, but it would be very beneficial if the hall is significant enough. If, say, like Edmonton came calling to to bring old Carter home and gave a significant haul, you know, like, hey, just, uh, just a little Leon Dreisaitl and uh, we'll call it a day. I would not hate that at all. They wouldn't do that, though, because that would be insane on their part. That would be dumb. Dry sales, a fucking stud. It would yeah. be dud. It would be very dumb. However, if the Maple Leafs want to make something work for Nylander, you know, I feel like nice. there's some framework there that might uh, be able to work out. Maybe on that. Another the interesting framework, thing. You, know? you don't have a house necessarily, but you got the bones. There's good bones there. Another interesting thing that Briere mentioned on the pod is that um, basically Kelly asked him, like, who are some players in the NHL who, like, you optimally would love to have on the Flyers? Like, d- like, like players like them. Like, if you had to model your team after these players, who would you pick? And um, 
With a little assistance from Kelly, he did kind of say like, yeah, Matthew Kachuk would be one. A lot of teams would like to have him. But then he went on to say Nathan McKinnon, which thank God he said I've Nathan McKinnon. About, I have talked about Mr. Smoothie before on here, Nathan McKinnon, <laughs> as just like a, a, a guy who's got it in him. Like, it, it's like a fucking competitor. And I love that. I am all about Nathan McKinnon and a player in the Nathan McKinnon mold. It's just great to hear him say that because like, you know, I feel like some other GMs would probably say like, oh, Patrice Bergeron. And that's not to say Patrice Bergeron is a bad player. He's literally one of the best of the last 20 years, maybe ever to play. Um, But like, he's like, and yeah, Patrice Bergeron has high end skill. But the thing with him is that like all these Previous Flyers general managers want these 200-foot players who are good two-way guys. They play offense. They play well away from the puck. And Danny Briere is just like, nah, give me the high-end skill. Give me the guy who's, like, top three in the world right now. Like, And that's what I love to hear. We have Patrice Bergeron at home. His name is Sean Couturier. I know. <laughs> yeah. At, at his peak, Sean Couturier. He was great. Was Patrice Bergeron. And well, here's the thing. Patrice Bergeron, Ryan O'Reilly, just naming like great two-way centers are, are definitely guys to build your team around, but they aren't like the guy to build your team around. Like ultimately, if Toronto had succeeded in the playoffs this year, Ryan O'Reilly would have been a nice piece in there, but it would have been more because of Austin Matthews and... Mitch Marner and the right. high-end skill over there. And when Boston has succeeded, yeah, certainly Patrice Bergeron has been a huge part of that. But it's also been because they have Brad Marchand and David Posternock, who are just yes. immensely talented players in their own rights. Yeah, no, it's true. And like, um, and, and that's not a knock on Couturier, by the way. Like, Coots, obviously, when he was healthy, was great. Um, and now I'm just, I have serious He played concerns. chess. Everybody else was playing checkers. Exactly. But, like, I just have concerns now about his injury situation. Oh, his spine? When you miss a year and a half, that's not great. Especially with back issues, that's not the best. So, and of course, his new contract is just now kicking in. So, that's terrific. When the doctor says you need a bacchiotomy, that's never a good time. No, it's not. I would imagine. <laughs> But Sean Couturier, yeah, I mean, Sean Couturier could be that. But here's the thing. The Flyers had Sean Couturier at his very peak, and they had Claude Giroux uh, at pretty much his peak at the same time, and even Jake Joracek at a very high level. But because the rest of the cast was nowhere near that level, the team did not succeed. The team did not win. And I know it's great that Danny Breer is willing to acknowledge that it starts at the top with some high-end guys. And Nathan McKinnon is absolutely who you want at the top of your lineup. Like, Colorado doesn't win last year without a guy like Nathan McKinnon in there. Obviously, they had a ton of guys in there. Nathan McKinnon, uh, you have Rantanen, you have Nazem Kadri, you have Kale freaking McCarr. Like, a ton of high-end skill guys. But you got to start with some high-end skill and then work your way from there. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Hopefully what he's saying is a sign of things to come. Maybe they'll find a way to get some of that high-end talent. Um, and, uh, you know, because that's just the one, that's the main thing that the Flyers have been missing over the last two decades, aside from Giroux, is like 
multiple high-end players with high-end talent. They had Giroux and, like, no one else. And I would say just... the 2010 team is the one... Why the 2010 team succeeded? Obviously, it wasn't the goaltending. But that team succeeded because they had multiple lines with talented players. I mean, if you think back to it, I mean, you weren't really watching at the time, but a lot of listeners were. And Mike Richards was essentially a third line player. He was your captain. He was an immensely important player on that team, but he was playing on the third line with, with Simone Gagne and Dan Carcillo a lot of the time during that run. You know, that team was so good because like, you had both Jeff Carter and Danny Briere in your top six. Yeah. And the fact that for some reason, Billy Baino himself, Billy Leno, uh, <laughs> had his best run ever. And Scott Hartnell was fantastic. And, you know, that team just clicked. That team really had it going on. But it was the depth on that team. And also the defense. The, the top four on that defense was insane to think about to this day. Like, uh, I know Matt Carl gets a lot of shit, but the fact that you had Matt Carl with Braden Coburn and Chris friggin' Pronger and Kimo Timonen is ridiculous. Like that is such a great top four. And the less said about the other two defensemen in that lineup, the better because they were (laughs) not good. Yeah. They were not good, but no, that, that team was deep. And it was talented. I mean, just looking at the the roster, I mean, you had Richards, Carter, obviously. We mentioned that, Breer. Claude Giroux was in the mix as well. Uh, JVR was in the mix. Well, was JVR in the mix for the year after that? No, it was that year. But, you know, they had a ton of talented players. And the thing is, they were very deep, especially come playoff time. And that's why they succeeded. You need multiple lines of talented players. I don't know. I don't know why I'm saying this. Like this is some new I know. information, yeah. but a guy who was actually on that team will realize that. And the, the, if I am optimistic about Danny Breer, it is because Danny Breer has signed contracts in the cap era, lost money because right. of the cap essentially. Yes. And he's dealt with that and he's played the game he's played at the in speed it yeah level that it's played today that's the thing like he's played under the salary cap and like he's been part of good teams under the salary cap and he's looked at how he has looked i'm sure at that 2010 flyers team and said oh we were really good that year i would like to be a part of another team like that let's build one you know what i mean like that's probably kind of what's going through his head um maybe not and he's not also exactly. played against he played against all those fucking Penguins teams that the Flyers lost to all those exactly. years. Like, that's the the other thing that probably sticks in the scroll big time. Because those Penguins teams weren't the deepest. But why those Penguins teams succeeded so well for years is because they could roll Crosby out on one line and Malkin out on another. And then they always had, like, some pretty good little death guys here and there. That, But essentially they had a stack top couple lines you can't just have one line essentially and that's what the flyers at the end of the Giroux era really were dealing with it was like Claude Giroux Sean Couturier and Jake Voracek and that was pretty much it and Wayne Simmons and Braden Shen for a bit like don't forget about Michael Roffel listen we are not slandering Michael Roffel (laughs) on this show Michael Roffel should never have been a top six player on any of those teams and uh, shame on those coaches for doing that to him but you know what a very handy bottom six guy. We nothing but love to to waffles out there. The raffle copter himself, Slancha. He he was very good as a bottom sixer. I liked him in that role. 
a great fourth line player. Okay. Undrafted guy. All right. Like you got some value from him. Okay. Where was it from again? Wasn't he from like uh, Denmark or something? Or no, Austria. I thought it was Czechia. Oh, Austria. That's it. That's no, Austria. Austria. No, uh, Michael Raffle. Nothing but love for the Raffle. We had our very own Arnold Schwarzenegger on the team. Let it go to waste. Yeah, just like him. You can't tell the difference. I can't. Honestly. He might have been his son. Who was your daddy and what does he do? Who is your daddy? Arnold is 75. And he's still way more jacked than you or I. He, he looks great. He does. Please tell me you understood... The, who is your daddy and what does he do reference? I don't. I can't. Nah. Motherfucker. Oh, Kindergarten Cop. It's classic. Go watch it. It's great. It's never hilarious. even heard of it. You've never heard of Kindergarten Cop? Nope. <sighs> Sorry, Steve. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, if you have any feedback for us, the best place is on twitter.com.org.edu.musk. What are we doing here, folks? What are we even doing here? Oh, my God. Ryan Quigley, I'm exhausted. And I'm... Yep, that's it. Uh, Quigs, where can people find you? And you got anything to plug for your work on broadstreethockey.com or the hockey news? Yes, you can find me on Twitter at Ryan Quiggs with a Z, and I'm continuing the Thumbs Up, Thumbs Down series. Tomorrow I have one coming out on the one, the only, Felix Sandstrom. So look out for that. You've done a lot of the one, the only this week. Yeah, and then and then I have uh, uh, another fun little piece coming out soon that maybe you'll like, maybe you won't. I don't really care. Um, and then, yeah, that's pretty much it for right now. So, yeah. Really blew through that second part there. Yeah. All right. Why? <laughs> yeah, I got a little thing, something, something coming out. Maybe you'll like it. Okay, okay. Uh, Maybe you won't like you're it. More, you're, do, you're more doing a tease. I got you. Okay. I'm okay. teasing. I got you. You're teasing. I got you. Teasing. All right, then. You, you can follow Quigs over at Ryan Quigs. You can follow me at Flyperbole or at Bomb if it's for hockey purposes. Make it Flyperbole. Follow BSH Radio. Follow Broad Street Hockey. Flyperbole also on Instagram, on TikTok. And still don't understand TikTok. Never will. But I'm trying. I'm trying, folks. The presence is there. All right. We're going to wrap it up. Thank you so much for listening. You're all beautiful, wonderful people. And until next time, in the words of the great Gene Hart, good night and... Good hockey. It's 2023 and you're still looking for a baseball podcast? What's up, party people? Danny Vietti here from the Wake and Rake podcast. Yes, I know the name of our show freaking rocks. Join World Series champion Will Middlebrooks and I as we banter about the best of the best from Major League Baseball, including power rankings. One of the best players of all time. Headlines. Solidifies a dynasty. And special guests. Reese Hoskins. Stroh showed. Jose Trevino. Listen and or watch every episode of the Wake and Rake podcast, available on all your favorite listening platforms and the all-new Believe Sports channel.